All right, welcome back to another episode of The Rad Dad Show. I'm Rob. And I'm Sal. And we have something very important to discuss tonight. We're going to discuss when other people touch your children. Inappropriately. Inappropriately. Or physically. So an article came out in our town in a a, uh, newspaper, Suburban News, talking about how in the 1980s a substitute substitute teacher touched uh high school students inappropriately yes correct um and i and he was still employed up until this past july in another school district well i didn't know that but i think (laughs) that that's a whole nother but i mean that says just people didn't come forward or no one knew maybe i don't know know. yeah yes i think i think that is the case that no one no one came forward before they're just coming forward now about it okay so i mean that's that that's tough because you would really hope that people come forward. This to me is ridiculous. Like I, I don't under, one, I don't understand how that lasted for that long. There's one thing that I teach my kids and that is if they're ever at a party, whether it's at a venue or it's at a somebody's house, the one thing before they get out of the car and you can ask them what we tell them is, you do not go into any room with any adult by yourself. You, if you have to go to the bathroom, if it's somebody's house, you ask the mom where the bathroom is and you go to the bathroom by yourself. If it's at a venue and, it, and it's a drop-off venue, we tell our daughters, you ask a mom, hey, can you please take me to the bathroom? Because they are not in any point allowed to go to the bathroom by themselves at a, at a venue. When there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of other people and kids running around, I want I want to make sure that my child is safe and protected. And I have three girls, and they are absolutely not allowed to go to a restroom with a male adult. Not that you know, uh, just it's 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 there's, not allowed. There's no reason for that. To no, happen. none whatsoever. And. We tell our kids, if someone makes you feel uncomfortable, it's okay to either tell someone, if, you, if we're not there, tell a parent, or you come home and tell mom and dad. You're not going to get in trouble. We ju- if you were in an uncomfortable situation, you're, you tell someone. Don't, don't just think that it's normal, because it is not. I agree, and I... I think it's very important to instill in your children that they can come to you about everything, everything and anything. And honestly, that's the only way you're going to get visibility into what, you know, what occurs time and time again. So if you, if they tell you something, you know, if something happened and they were inappropriate, inappropriately touched, no matter what it is, you have to, you know, instill in them that you're not going to get mad. Even if they went to the bathroom, right, with somebody who you wouldn't have suggested, you can't get mad about that because they're confiding in you at this point that, hey, listen, I did do this, but this is what happened as a result. And the reason you don't want to get mad is because you want them to come to you again if if something were to occur. I'm not saying like, hey, you shouldn't tell them, hey, that you shouldn't have done that. But at the same point, you want, you know, our number one thing is. We want to protect our kids, right? Is until they're adults or until they're in adolescence, our job is to protect them, educate them, guide them. And 
unfortunately, children are going to make mistakes just like adults do where none of us are perfect, but guiding them down that path of life or, you know, that, that path is so important and making sure that they have someone who's going to support them time and time again is, is part of our jobs. Yes. And we instill that in our kids that, Hey, we are here to help you, to guide you. And if you have any questions about anything, you can ask us, don't, don't be afraid. We always tell our girls, it is not normal for an adult male relative, friend, anybody to run their fingers through your hair. It is not normal for an adult friend, male to massage, to massage your shoulders. It, and we make our daughters aware of this because shit happens and people are fucked up. So, and, and, and they, they, they understand, you know, it's not, we tell them it's not, um, it's not normal for uh, an adult male to touch your leg, you know? And recently I heard them talking about my no-no square. <laughs> so my wife's nephew came over and was singing, uh, no, no, don't touch me there. That's my no-no square. And I said, hold on a second. What, what, what did you just say? And I remember a skit, uh, this is years ago, Opie and Anthony were, were making fun of that, that, that song about no-no, the no-no square. So I turn around, I look at him, I said, where, where did you hear that? And they were teaching that at school. So, and I asked my daughters, I said, hey, do you know what that means? Do you know what the no-no square means? They didn't know what it meant. So I explained it to them. I said, but listen, you got to listen to the words of the song. It's saying, it's saying, no, no, don't touch me there. That's my no-no square. So nobody is supposed to touch you there that's not supposed to. But we can't stress enough to our kids that, it's okay to tell someone if someone made you feel uncomfortable or it's okay to tell that person, Hey, stop. Or I tell my kids, just tell them to cut the shit. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard for a child to do that. Um, if they're put in an uncomfortable situation, sometimes they're so scared or so appalled that they don't even know what to do. And I think that's part of the problem is if someone touches them inappropriately, it could be sexually or, or not even sexually. Right. They could reprimand them and take it too far. They could touch them in a, in a place that they shouldn't. They touch their leg, run their hands through their hair. Sometimes kids are, are just shocked that someone's doing it to them because they still have the innocence in them. They don't right. think people are, are bad or, or, you know, they have that malicious intent or even would do anything like that. And one of the things that, you know, we've instilled them in my kids for, for a long time is that no one goes again. No one goes in the bathroom with you except mom and dad. Those are the only people who go in the bathroom with you. I don't care. Right. Even when they shower at my, at my mom's house or at their grandmother's house, they get, they get undressed in the bathroom without anybody in there and get into the bathtub. No one's allowed in there at that time. See, so my mother-in-law, she still sometimes goes into the bathroom with my kids and it just irks me because we tell our kids, that is your private time. That is your time. Whether you're going to the bathroom, whether you're, you're disrobing to go in the shower, that is your private time. That is yours. Now, if you want one of your sisters in, in the bathroom with you to keep you company while you shower, that's fine. But no adult should be in the bathroom with you. And I tell them, lock the door. Whoa, we don't want to lock the door. We're scared. 
Well, I can't, my kids don't even shower without an adult in there, which is, which is usually me. It's not, I shouldn't say any adult. It's usually me. My, my wife typically doesn't, do, I do the showers. You got shower duty? I got shower duty. But I, I don't mind it because I'll sit in there, I'll read a book, and for my youngest, I'll wash his hair. I have no idea why. He knows how to do it. It's just he'd rather I do it because I take the the uh, the thing off the uh, the telephone, the, the shower, the shower phone. Yeah, the, <laughs> whatever. The shower the, head. The, yeah, the shower head off, and and bring it down and and wash wash his hair. Um, and I guess it it allows no soap to get in his eyes, but it's pretty funny. I mean, he just still wants me so to do it. Have you had that conversation with your kids about if you are places and? You know, nobody's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. And if you are, you feel uncomfortable, tell someone. Or nobody's supposed to touch your hair or run their fingers through your hair. We haven't gotten to specifics. But, yeah, we've told them. They're aware of it. My wife deals with a lot of that. And to be honest, we, not to get into too much details, but we've run into an incident where something like that occurred. And... So physically or sexually? Physically. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I was talking, Thank I you. was talking more more so sexually we yes and no. We we've kind of danced around the subject. I don't my wife may have gone into more detail, but sexually it's no one's allowed to come in. No one's Yes, we've said it. No one's allowed to touch you. You talk to a 7-year-old and oh man, I keep getting hit in the nuts. Like that's literally a conversation that you probably don't have in your house. <laughs> Dad, I got hit in the nuts. I'm like, dude, how many times you get hit in the nuts? You're seven. <laughs> like, let's be honest here. Dad, but the ball hit me in my knee. I got hit in the nuts. I'm like, I think you just like saying I got hit in the nuts. So like, it's, it's one of those fine lines, but the same point. Yes, we talk about it because a lot of the things that like for little boys is scary and, and little girls, right? Is that, Someone can easily take advantage of them. They're not going to realize what's yes, going on. Yes, I agree. They use their author- authoritative figure as the as the adult, and, and and to keep them quiet, you know, they tell them, "Hey, look, if you say something, I'm I'm going to hurt your parents or or something along those lines." Yeah, and I think one of the things that we've taught our kids is come to us and tell us because that's one of the things I want to instill now because when they become teenagers, not only about like misconduct, but like. When they become teenagers, I want them to be comfortable in coming to us and telling us whatever they need to tell us because, yes, you know, touching and sexual abuse is, is legitimate. And I think it's like there's a stat, like one out of four kids get sexual. Like it's, it's high. So I, I, have, a, I have a statistic. Yeah, here. give me the statistics so here. There's, the statistic here is a common myth is that child sexual abuse is perpetrated by strangers and pedophiles. Right. Everybody thinks it's it's pedophiles and strangers. But most people who sexually abuse children are friends, partners, family members, and community members. How crazy is that? Uh, no, I I know that the majority is people you know, which leads me to believe I would probably be locked up in you, and we'd be doing this podcast through a ga- literally a glass wall. Because if that ever, I don't even know, I can't even comprehend what I would do if that were to happen to my kids. You and me both, man. I have three girls. I'm looking to see how many people are on there. <laughs> like, I'm not sure I could even put it into words of how. So this li- says about 93% of children who are victims of sexual abuse 
know their abuser. Less than 10% of sexually abused children are abused by a stranger. That is crazy. So I, I know you don't you don't listen to the Doc Shepard um, podcast, right? No. So one of the things that he came out on that, and you know who he is, right? He's a, he's a comedian and uh, yes. actor, married to Kristen Bell. Um, I forget. He, he was on one... Yeah, poor guy. He was on one. Uh, it was either podcast or interview, and he's like, and the guy's like, "Yeah, you you have a real hard. You're six foot three, blonde hair, <laughs> in shape. Yeah, married to Kristen Bell." I was like, "What does that have to do with anything?" He's married to Kristen Bell. Like, it was just such a weird, like, off comment. I think I'm watching something on Instagram, but he was sexually abused, and he came out. I don't know if he came out on his podcast, but he does talk about it a lot. Of you know how. For a long time, it wasn't, you know, he talks about it and brings it up and has really opened up about it on his on his podcast and others. I don't listen to every episode. I've only caught a little bit here and there. Just, you know, kind of listen in because one of my friends used to listen. But there's a lot of people who have been impacted by this. And it's, you know, for some people, it's something they keep in the closet and they kind of just go through life. And, and they deal with it. And they deal with it. Other people, it has a major impact on their life. I can't imagine... Like I, when I hear stories with female teachers and, and male students, you know, 15, 16 year olds or, or what have you, you know, you, you sit there and think, oh, my God, if I was 15 and 16 or, or you know, doing my teacher, I, I wouldn't say anything. But there's got to be, you know, a, a significant impact and it, it's it's got to mess with them mentally. But as a 15 year old boy with a he, so some of these teachers think about it. And I was and I was thinking about this because a lot of the stories that come out recently are of young teachers with high school students. So, fifteen-year-old so boy and a twenty-five-year-old teacher. It could be an eighteen-year-old boy and a twenty-two-year-old. But, but, but hold on, teacher. think think of that, right? So, fifteen-year-old boy and a twenty-five-year-old t- teacher. What's the age gap? Ten years. Okay, I can do math in public too. That's that's amazing. We were both fifteen-year-old boys. Yes, yes. And from a fifteen-year-old boy point of view, it. I don't think they're going to care. No, no. But at the same point, that person who's an authoritative figure should know better. You've gone through, and I'm not saying like a 23 year old person should know better, but they've been put in a, in a place of responsibility. Their job is to guide the youth should have nothing to do with any sexual encounter with with their students. I agree a hundred percent. And what you were saying before, one in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused before they turn 18. It's fucking mind-blowing. That is fucking crazy. Man. Yeah, I thought it was one in four, but I, I Tw- mean, that's crazy. 12.3% of women were aged 10 or younger at the time of their first rape victimization, and 30% of women were between the ages of 11 and 17. So I think one of the things that you're going to have a much different conversation with, with your girls than I'm going to have with my boys. Yes, absolutely. One of the things that scares the shit out of me of raising boys is that you have to make them understand sex and sexual partners and willing consent. But then making them understand is that you always, always, always have to have your guard up as, as a boy. Yes. And you don't want to be lured into a situation where you're drunk, they're drunk, and anything bad can come of it. Because at the end of the day, and, and in, in the world we're living in today... 
Like that is a very dangerous situation. It's a very dangerous situation. Very dangerous situation because it becomes of a ga- it becomes a game of he said she said. Agreed. You know, whereas the, the the boy can can think that oh my god this was all consensual, and she can turn around and say, no, it wasn't consensual. He forced me. But you can flip the script. You can do it both you know? ways. I mean, listen, I'm 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 glad I'm not dating in this this time. I it scares the shit out of me. It actually. As I got older, it actually scared the shit out of me in, in our late 20s and early 30s. When I started thinking about it more, because when you're in your late teenager, or, you know, mid-20s, early 20s, you're not thinking about it. No. And that's what scares me, is you weren't thinking. I know I wasn't thinking about it. I never thought about it. No. You, you just you just went with it. Yeah. Yeah. You just lived in if the it moment. Happened, yeah, yeah. If it happened, it happened. But the problem is, is that... I, you need to be, you need to proceed with caution. Yes. Always. Guard always up. And I think the other thing that, and it doesn't really tie directly into this, but one of the things that you sh- all kids should be taught is never videotape yourself. Because especially in this day and age, and it drives me nuts, like any sexual encounter should never be videotaped because that's permanent. Those people probably have it downloaded out to yeah. a share drive on the cloud somewhere. No. And it's then backed up on some offsite. Leave the, the phone in the car. Yeah. Don't you don't want anything involved with that, and don't send pics, nothing. Yeah. And, it's- and that's so. So that is if you share. So if somebody sends you a a a, a text message, this is this is uh, high school kids or uh, 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 middle school kids. If someone receives a text message, a nude photo of a student on their phone, and then they go and they share that. T- Isn't that child porn? Yes, yeah. that's child pornography. Yeah. That is so, and that that's another conversation that that you know. I think that's another. I agree. That's probably another episode. Just porn in general, and how do you educate your kids and make sure that they're aware of the impacts on their life? There's probably two episodes out of that that w- that we can bring up. To be honest, so back back to back to the 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 initial topic of of our podcast, the abuse whether it be sexual abuse or physical abuse by either a relative or a stranger. For those who were doing Instagram Live, for those who didn't hear before, so statistics show that the myth is child sexual abuse is perpetrated by strangers, and actually it is not. Most people who are sexually abused children are partners, friends, family members, and community members. 93% of children who are victims of sexual abuse know their abuser. And that, that number that number is staggering. That is that is really it's fucking re- disgusting. So, so and that's why, you know, you, you gotta teach your, your kids that, hey, you know, Uncle Johnny, yes, he's he's friendly, he's cool, he's he's great to hang out with. But when Uncle Johnny says, Hey, why don't you I got a piece of candy, why don't you come with me into this room? You know, red flag. Uh, Uncle Johnny, I don't want candy and I'm not going in a room with you. So, and that's what we teach our kids. You're not allowed to be in a room alone with any adult. You want to hang out with your cousins, play with your cousins, and, and you're going to be in the playroom or, or somebody's bedroom. That's fine. An adult walks into the room. You all walk out together. Nobody's left behind. I don't care. I don't care if it's a relative. I don't care if it's a cousin. It's a family man. It's not right. If I walk into a room with a bunch of kids, okay, everybody okay? Okay, goodbye. I'm leaving. You know, it, it just... I mean, and most of the parties, events that we have or we've talked about or we've gone to, 
at least that I, I've been to, the parents are in one area. The kids are gotten running the muck in the rest of the freaking whole house. It's just a situation that I tell my kids that they, 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 they can avoid by, you know, omitting themselves from the whole, the whole thing. You stay with your, your, your friends. You stay with your relatives. You stay with your cousins. No adults. I think that the long and short of it is you have to be, you have to be aware of everything that's going on always when your kids are involved. Obviously, when they're at a friend's house or somewhere else, you know, you you kind of have to ask them. You have to ask follow up questions when they go. You ask them, "Hey, how did it go? How was your play date? Did you have fun at your friend's house? Did anything happen?" You always ask those follow up questions. I've been lucky enough where if something did happen that my kids would come out and tell me and be like, hey, listen, this happened or that happened or we got into a fight or, you know, my Gigi yelled at me because I was being bad. I teach my kids situational awareness. They ask me, well, what's situational awareness? Situational awareness. That's a tongue twister. And what it is and what I teach my kids is wherever you are, just scan your environment. Look around. If you're if you're in a in a building, if you're in a supermarket, look around. Just make sure you know where the exits are. Look at the people around you. You know, see if there's a, an odd character in the in in the vicinity. And if there is an odd character in the vicinity, walk away. You know, go to the next aisle. Just be aware of your surroundings with your friends with your sisters, on the soccer field. It's daily, in your daily activities. It's school. You know, you're in your classroom. Just look around. See what's, see what's going on. Any sharp objects that you can trip and fall on. But situ- I agree. That's a, good, that's a good call out. Situational awareness. I think it's something that is not necessarily taught by anybody. No. When you think about it, I mean, obviously, law enforcement and, and, and them and first responders probably are, are educated on that but kids probably not and it's to be honest that is something that i think you learn throughout life yeah because i never i've always been cognizant of my surroundings and i and i don't know if that's always been true but i know when i started commuting into into new york through public transportation i always knew who was on my train i knew the people by sight yeah mm-hmm. i knew you know even i take i took multiple trains took an hour and a half loved it But I knew every single face And if there was a face on there that I didn't recognize I'd be like alright why are they there And I literally was A lot of people just sit on the train and don't look up I literally watched every single person Like I I, And I don't know why It was just made me comfortable to understand And be aware of everything that was going on And you know Not that anything ever occurred And I commuted into New York for 8 years But at the same point I knew what was going on so I was always comfortable in my surroundings. I got a story for you. My wife and I were shopping at a children's store. And this was probably a month or so after the Boston bombing at the marathon. And it was, it was pretty, I think it was, the temperatures were pretty warm. I think it was the, when, when I forget the I time of year. I, I think it was fairly warm out. So we're in this store. She and I were, 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 I think we're the only ones in the store aside from the, the uh, people that work there. And this gentleman walks in, long, a long sleeve jacket, 
backpack. It was a heavy jacket. And I was, I was like, I was telling my wife, I said, this just doesn't seem right. This it's hot outside. This dude's got a long jacket on long sleeve, heavy jacket, and he's got a backpack. It just don't seem right. So I told my wife, I said, finish what you're doing. We're getting out of here. Now, turns out it was nothing. It was just the guy shopping. But, you know, just after the, 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 the Boston Marathon uh, bombing, I, I, I didn't know what this fucking guy had in his backpack, you know? So I was like, right, we'll come back another day. But yeah, I mean, you got just be aware of your surroundings. I just think that's the best thing, especially nowadays. Just, uh, I, I, there's very few people I trust. There's a handful of people I trust, but they've earned that trust. And, you know, I hope I never regret it. But at the same point, when it comes to my kids, you're always on the outlook. You're always making sure that everything's okay. You know, it's uh, at the same point. I, I remember when I was a kid and we, I grew up on a block that was primarily girls. It was me and my brother and all girls. Pick it a litter, huh? We had girls. <laughs> <laughs> but I also remember, <laughs> I can't even really if I'm saying this, but... You know, we would pee behind a tree or something, and the girls would be like, "Oh my god, he's peeing behind the tree!" Did they point and laugh? No, they pointed and screamed. And my mom was like, "My mom's in the house," and she's like, "What are you two idiots doing?" Nothing. <laughs> Meanwhile, our pants are around their ankles. Like, no, mom, we didn't do anything. But hold, hold on, I just want to get back to that. You, you said trust, right? Yep. The word trust. Dynamic Wealth Consulting LLC is someone you can trust. Where client financial education is the driving force to realization of goal planning and financial empowerment. Richard Latito and Dynamic Wealth Consulting specialize in developing a financial plan for clients, which includes asset management, insurance review, and estate preservation. The firm assists clients ranging from young goal-oriented professionals to the retiree and everyone in between. So if you're in your 20s and you have questions regarding finances, and where you think you should put your money or what to do with your money, give Rich Latito a call. He will guide you down the right path. No obligation. Give him a ring on the phone. Um, 201-383-2277. He's a uh, real cool dude. Stand-up guy. He's actually been my financial advisor and planner since I was 23. I think I was one of his very first clients. Um, I'm not exactly sure what he was financially advising you at that time. Actually, he, he guided me towards uh, whole life insurance, which actually it, it worked as an investment vehicle as well. So I got a little chunk of change sitting on the side for me that I could take out any time I want. That's actually a good investment at 23. So give Rich a call. He's a real cool dude. He'll treat your money as it's, as it's his own um, he will not put money where he doesn't feel it is safe. Uh, give him a call, 201-383-2277, and tell him Sal and Rob from the Rad Dad Show sent you. Uh, guaranteed, he will guide you down the right path. Back to that word trust. That That's something that we instill in our kids is trust. You Like, we, we spoke about COVID and the time my kids spent with each other the trust and the bond that they built that they would have never ever ever had the opportunity to do if the pandemic didn't hit i mean it was day and night we were all together oh i know and we're still all together it's to an extent yeah so 
what is the dad lesson that you would so we've been talking about you know kids being inappropriately touched and how parents can really prevent that or be more cognizant of what's going on what's the dad lesson we want to bring to the table for this situational awareness I love it. I love Walking it. Before, Did you tease that on purpose, Sal, or did that just come to you? No, no, I tease that on purpose. Come on. <laughs> There's a method to my madness. So I try to teach my kids. Before you walk into a situation, just observe. See, Understand what you're walking into. You know, Try to understand or predict what might happen. Know who is in the area. So situational awareness is the dad lesson. Make sure you know your surroundings. Make sure you know who's in the area. Pick out any weirdos and then stay away from them. <laughs> if this wasn't such a serious topic, I would have made a joke there. But, um, and I think that's important. It's not only situational awareness, but it's educating about situational awareness and making sure that they start developing that skill. Because, I mean, I'm only 32, but... Bullshit. <laughs> At 40, which is real my real age, <laughs> I finally feel like I have a good handle on that skill. It's only taken 40 years for me to really, you know, hone in on it, but I was never taught anything about it. And I think you that's and me something both. that our kids can benefit from. And I'm not saying because I took public transportation and honed in on it, but when you're growing growing up in a small town where you don't really have to worry about the the area or kind of what's going on you don't you kind of take things for granted yes then you I go agree. to school in west philly and you have to freaking know what the hell's going on when you're walking down the street so i spent five years in west philly which probably added into that a little bit but not every person's going to go from suburbia to an inner city school right so know your surroundings teach your kids to understand what their surroundings are who they're around what they're around walking into a store you know just keep your eyes peeled. You know, exits. Play a game, you know, with your kids. You know, walk into a supermarket and say, hey, how many exits or entrance do we have? You know, is there a back door? Or, you know, something something silly like that. It's always good to know where you are and who is around you, especially when it comes to kids. You know, if you're doing a drop-off at a party, your kid needs to know who's around them. Well, that's the, a whole nother conversation. I think we could have a whole nother podcast but on that, drop that, off as parties. But but yes, but but that also ties into being inappropriately touched, either physically or sexually. You know, they need to know who's in the area and 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 who they feel they they they, they might feel uncomfortable with. Can I tell you a story? That's that's you can always tell me a story. That's very Rob. funny. I like your stories. So my youngest son. <laughs> I don't know why I keep referring to him as my youngest son. I've said his name a thousand times. But my youngest son had a birthday party in October. And because of everything that's going on, it was very limited. Wait, birthday party during COVID pandemic? During COVID, oh, outside, my God. In the middle of October. Call the authorities. Call the authorities. So we, we had his little friends over. So he turned seven. And I accidentally drank one of the little girl's drinks. You? Yes, by accident. I think it was a Sprite or something. She was drinking a Sprite. I, seven years old. No, it couldn't have been a Sprite. It was a water. That's what it was. That she wrote sense. her name on it. How could you not no, see it? No, she didn't write her name on it. So I picked <laughs> it up and drank it. She turns to my wife and goes, he drank my water. <laughs> oh, man. And I was like, 
I drank your water? I was like, <laughs> she goes, he drank my water. And I was like, oh boy. Oh man, this one's tough. <laughs> this crowd's never, tough. I never met her before. So I was like, I'm so sorry. Can I get you another? She's like, how could you drink my water? I was like, oh boy. <laughs> did you say, did you say, hun? Oh God. Did you say, hun, I'm out of here? I was like, do I have to throw this out? I was like, can you freaking throw it out? I was like, oh my God. I, I was not that I was embarrassed, but it was just so like the girl was so unexpected. Yeah, and I, I was very what, what age? She's six or seven. Wow! But I was very like proud. Not even my kid, but I was very proud that she was like, "Hey, listen, you drank my water, you piece of shit, yeah, asshole! You drank my water. What the <laughs> hell are you, you doing? Steal a six-year-old's water? <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself, Rob. I didn't remember. Oh my god! I picked up the water that was on the table. I thought it was mine. Apparently not. Jeez, tough crowd around here. <laughs> so. But yeah, back to the situational awareness and, 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 and just make your kids understand that if they're walking somewhere, even walking to school or walking home with friends, look over your shoulder. Anybody behind you? In the wintertime, I picked up my daughter from school. She, she wanted to walk. So snow on the ground and I'm trailing behind her because she walks home with a friend. I'm trailing behind them. About 10, 15 feet. So... In front of me were these two boys. It was two, one, two. So two, one, two. The, the last two in front was my daughter and her friend. There was a boy in between and then, and then two boys in front of me. So this one boy, as we're walking, and, and I'm watching, he's, he's making snowballs and he's tossing. I was like, what the fuck is this kid doing? He, he's just tossing because there's a crowd of people up up ahead of him. My daughter sees the first one land, probably you know, 20, 30 feet in front of her. She sees the second one land. So she, 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 her and her friend step aside into a driveway and they let the boy pass. So then now my daughter and her friend are in front of me and they continue walking. And this kid continues to throw snowballs and hits a kid. And I was going to step in to say, do you know that that the kid you just fucking threw a snowball at? Because that's fucked up. But I was like, you know what? I don't need a parent coming to my fucking house yelling at me because I reprimanded his fucking shitty asshole son. Sorry. (laughs) There you go. Sorry. I, I had to, but it, you know, kid, kids are fucked up. But my my daughter knew enough to step aside. You know, she saw what was going on. She stepped aside. She waited for me, and then she continued. But I can't stress enough that just teach your kids situational awareness. Uh, the, it is a big word, big term, but let them understand. They need to walk into a room or or a park or or anywhere where they're walking into. Just look around. Look over your shoulder. Even in sports. It works with sports. On the soccer field. Know your surroundings. Know where your teammates are. Know where the offense and the defense is. You know, it works in life in general. You know? I agree. When you're working into your when you're walking into your office building and there's that one person you want to avoid, (laughs) you're looking around for this person. Situational awareness. So uh just a word from our sponsor, our second sponsor, Amsters. Amsters Prospect Tavern is a family-owned business and operated since 1926. Amsters Prospect Tavern is truly the place where everyone knows your name, and not just because it's run by the owner, Norm, who is an awesome dude. 
They have a real family and hometown vibe with excellent pub grub like their famous mozzarella bites and cheesesteak egg rolls. And Rob, you and I have already discussed this. The cheesesteak egg rolls are my favorite. And you like the mozzarella bites. So, depends on your palate. And the grilled cheese. I think grilled cheese, yes. Both of which, or all of which, are made on-premises. If you're not in the mood for pub grub, you can try their excellent selection of upscale weekly specials offered Thursday through Saturday, like veal osobuco, slow-cooked short ribs, filet mignon, and lobster tails, just to name a few. They take pride in serving excellent food and making their customers feel at home when you are at Amster's. So, if you are planning a trip to Jersey and want to know a place to go eat, look up Amster's Prospect Tavern. If you're planning a trip to Waldwick? Yes. <laughs> and come down and, and talk to Norm and Deb and tell them Sal and Rob from the Rad Dad Show sent you. So we are going to break here. This is where we pause for our lovely edition of the uh, Bourbon Review. And we're back. To our most favorite part of the episode. Our most favorite part? Your most favorite part. My favorite, most favorite yes. part. It's the uh, bourbon tasting slash review. And this is for our podcast listeners only. Yes. We quit the IG live. The IG live. Yes, we IG live. I'm sorry. IG. We didn't quit IG. Sorry. I, I had to explain myself. Um, so tonight we are tasting Russell's. 10-year-old Jimmy Russell stand-up dude alcohol classification of the uh, bourbon is Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey distillery which I was not aware of and this was very interesting it is the wild turkey distilling company so wild turkey makes Russell's 10 does it, does it say it on the label or no uh, yes actually in the back it says uh Distilled and bottled by the Wild Turkey Distilling Company. Pretty cool. Interesting. The bottle is uh, just a regular bottle. Uh, proof it is 90 proof, 45% alcohol by volume. Would you stop messing with your phone? You know, you, I didn't make sure I posted. You Sorry. In interrupted some shit here. Sorry. Continue, um, Sal. So the age of the Russells is uh, 10. 10 years. Aged 10 years in the barrels. Filtration is undisclosed. The batch size is undisclosed. The mash bill, 75% corn, 13% rye, 12% malted barley. Awards, it got the silver in 2013 for the, in the San Francisco World Spirits. Color, I'm going to say it is a light amber, right? Do you agree? So no, light it's amber. darker. Dark amber, <laughs> well... Put it up against my wall. It's a uh, media. Uh, yeah, dark amber. Sorry. It is a dark amber. Price point, depending on where you are and if you're buying at a liquor store or a secondary market, $38 to $48. If, you're, if it is listed as uh, upwards of $48, you tell them to go pound salt. Going to give you a little history about Jimmy Russell. He is dubbed as the Buddha of bourbon and the master distiller, master distiller by his industry peers, James C. Jimmy Russell knows bourbon like he knows breathing. 
For an astonishing 60 years, Russell has been making whiskey at the Wild Turkey Distillery, Distillery in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, and today is the longest tenured active spirits master distiller in the world. Did you know that in Kentucky, Kentucky, the state, bangs the distilleries over the head with a tremendous tax? What is it? <sighs> Shit. I want to say sixty percent tax. I'm gonna to have to. I'm, I'm gonna to have to inquire with my wife. But she did a um, wine and spirits uh, report, and I think it's like sixty percent tax on sixty percent on, on what though? Each bottle, they get sixty percent taxed on each bottle of bourbon. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yes. So that could be the reason why some of these bourbons cost so much uh, dinero. So back to uh, Jimmy Russell. Growing up five miles from the distillery, he followed his father, who taught him the traditions and techniques of bourbon craftsmanship. From his first position at the distillery, sweeping floors, he reached the apex of his career as master distiller in the 1960s, learning how to make bourbon the right way, from the inside and out, everything in between. No job too small, no task too tedious. Jimmy's passion of bourbon led him to study under such bourbon luminaires as Bill Hughes, Wild Turkey's second master distiller, and Ernest W. Rippey Jr., great-grandson of distiller founder James Rippey Wild Turkey, third master distiller. Even if his unparalleled wasn't enough, (laughs) his family history, impeccable knowledge of bourbon, and passion of time Honored bourbon-making secrets had led him his reputation as Master Distiller's Master Distiller. That's some fucking title. Master Distiller, Master Distiller. A part of the exclusive brotherhood, Jimmy is a member of the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame and a whiskey judge for the International Wine and Spirits Competition. He's involved through the entire distillation and aging process of wild turkey bourbon, his experience and wisdom shining through in every single bottle. Over the past 60 years, Jimmy has been responsible for the launches of a number of new wild turkey brands and expressions, such as Tradition, Tribute, 17-year-old wild turkey for Japan, Rare Breed, I like Rare Breed, I've had Rare Breed, American Spirit, Kentucky Spirit, and Russell's Reserve. Yes, that's what we are having this evening, Uh, which he co-created with his sons and distilling partners. Eddie Russell, Jimmy broke new ground in 1976 with the first honeyed bourbon at the time called wild turkey liqueur today fans know the evolution of the product of the american honey jimmy is also responsible for making sure that legacy of wild turkey stays intact overseeing the production of wild turkey 101 which i was not a fan of wild turkey flagship brand wow isn't wild turkey 101 like the really strong bourbon right i had it i wasn't a fan I think I have a bottle of it. Uh, we'll have to taste it. While, while waxing poetic about aging techniques and grain selection, uh, you can often find Jimmy enjoying his beloved bourbon neat and without a touch of branch water. I don't know what that means. We know we don't have branch water without bourbon. In celebration of Jimmy's 60 years of service, the Wild Turkey Global Family decreed 2014 the year of Jimmy Russell, marked by a series in honors of accolades from Jim, uh, from family, local and national politicians, and distinguished members of the bourbon industry, most notably Kentucky, Kentucky Senator Mitch McConnell, 
uh, cemented Jimmy's achievements for property in the United States congressional record. Wow. With Kentucky Senator Julian Carroll and Representative Kim King sponsored a similar resolution in the Kentucky General Assembly. Furthermore, Jimmy was granted a lifetime honorary membership to the Kentucky Distillers Association Board of Directors. Honor bestowed to only five other individuals within the organization's storied 134 years of history. Wow. That's that's some accomplishment. Holy bananas. It's a hell of a history you wrote up there. So this guy is honor an honorary member in the Kentucky Distillers Association Board of Directors, okay, which has been ongoing for 135 years. And only five other individuals, uh, 134 years, only five other individuals have made this title. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame where everyone gets in. Yeah. No, ex- except for Pete Rose. Except for Pete <laughs> Rose. So, after uh, my spiel there with the history of the uh, Russell's... So, can you tell us uh, your taste, nose, aroma? Yes, that's, that's what I'm getting to. All right. After the hour-long segment of Russell's. Um, yes, thanks. Nose and aroma, oak, cinnamon, and vaniglia. Or vanilla. Oh, it's a so vanilla. Vanilla. What um? What language is that exactly? I don't know. I just made it up. Oh, that's good. So tasting notes: caramel and vanilla up front. It just gets you right there as soon as you sip. Slight, slight burn. I think Rob just uh, uh, creamed in his pants. I don't know. Something happened. <laughs> I'll tell you once you finish. Finish it mellow. It mellows out with a lingering of vanilla. I think the vanilla hangs around, right after you uh, sip it. Kind of, kind of hangs back there on your tongue. Sorry, I had to wash the palate down. And take another sip. Yeah, vanilla hangs. Think so. Yep. Overall, not complex, easy sipper, and I think it's a uh, shelf staple for me. Rob, why don't you give your uh... your your bits the easy sipper. Or a simple zipper. My bit is the shelf stable. Stop stealing my bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So mine's an easy zipper, and this is something I will keep on my shelf. Rob, go ahead. So the reason I made that face is because before I said I didn't smell the cinnamon, and I didn't even read your notes. With the dry glass, I just smelled like an overpowering cinnamon. Earlier, I smelled the oak. Like cinnamon stick up your nose? Yeah, it's it's there. Um, the tasting is is nice. It's It's sweet. Slight burn. The burn doesn't travel. Um, I think I think it's incredible taste. Uh, finish is is nice. I don't I don't have the vanilla lingering, but I, it's definitely sweet. And there's no stop messing with my phone. <laughs> <laughs> my phone's hooked up to the Bluetooth connection for remote for our rig uh, for our video recording rig. Overall, this is this is definitely a shelf staple. I think the aroma is probably a one point five. I don't think it's. It's not incredibly unique, but definitely smells good. Um, and I think even early on, I had told Sal, like, there's a sweetness that's underlying. I said maple. Um, it's just really, really sweet. Uh, tasting is delicious. Um, from uh, I, I think, again, that's, that's like probably a, a two in, in my mind. So that gives me a 3.5. And I think the price point is amazing. Yeah, you cannot beat the price. You can't beat. So I, I'm giving it a full three there. So that's a six and a half. Maybe. I don't know. I lost track. 
Yeah, <laughs> six and a half. So I'm going to go uh, a six and a half on, on the Russells. Wow, 6.5. Yep, 6.5 barrels. Look at that. So I, um, this is definitely a uh, shelf-worthy bottle. Actually, I, I, at one point, I think I had a three in my uh, stash. <laughs> so I am going to give this a seven and a half. Yes, 7.5 barrel. Uh, Hello, nurse. I enjoy it. It's a it's a easy to go to bar, uh, bottle. Um, price point you you cannot beat. Um, I think the price point is absolutely amazing. It's delicious. No 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 punch in the nose burn. You know, it's just it's a good flavorful bourbon. If you ask me, I agree. Go Don't on. forget. To share this with friends, family, and uh, <laughs> fellow co-workers. They may like it. They may not. They may hate you after you shared it. But I don't know. We have a con- consistent download. We have a consistent following. But Someone I, likes us. I think Rob and I are uh, pretty cool dads. Or rad so dads. Rad dads. As that's my, where I'm going. As my kids call me. Yeah. <laughs> they did come down and say that. So that was yes. pretty impressive. All right. So thank you guys for listening. This is a wrap. Uh, Be sure to download our next episode, which drops every Sunday at noon. Look out for our teas on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.